This past week has seen the end of an era and the beginning of a new era in Major League Soccer. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Galarsep. What's cracking, man? Nothing much, Garrett. It's been, uh, been a while since we've uh, done a show. I know a lot of people were asking where we've been, what is going on. Obviously, our schedules have not been working out. We've had all sorts of issues between travel and other commitments and illness and you name it, it's happened, but we finally fought through it. And now we're back and we're ready to knock out a pretty big show. Yeah, my, my only concern for the show is, is is I'm a little sick, so you know we might have to cut it, you know, maybe to an hour fifteen instead of like an hour thirty, hour forty five. Oh, I don't want to hear that, man. You gotta <laughs> suck it up. You gotta think. You gotta step it up, just like all those legendary athletes who, when they when they were sick or not feeling well, like Michael Jordan, you know, he steps up, has an even better game than if he were healthy. You just gotta get it done, man. And you have to, you know what? You have to make up for the fact. That you were not in LA for MLS Cup. I had all kinds of people coming up to me. Hey, where's Garrett? I guess his girlfriend took priority. Oh my! I, you, no one said that. Explain, no one I said had, that. Oh, I swear to God, I had how many? How many people? people? At least three. Three people say, "Oh yeah." Three people are like, "Oh, where's Garrett?" See, this is the problem with this show. People believe what you say. They take it. At, it's ridiculous. Uh, why, well, why don't no, people realize I mean, that you're just okay, BSing just, about that stuff? I, Listen, I will just clarify. Early on. There was an issue with 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 Garrett's commitments with his girlfriend's birthday. Why he might not come to LA? The reason he ended up not coming to LA is because of a work commitment, uh, and that's why he wasn't able to come out for that. Apparently, allegedly. Um, but you know, so it's all good. You know, we so <laughs> we still had a good time in LA. We had a uh, we had the SBI crew in the house. We had uh, Franco Panizo and Ryan Tomich. Ryan Tomich had his first MLS Cup, and and I think he's still recovering from it actually. But uh, but no, we had a good time, and it would have been it would have been nice to have you out there, and and, and so people could see us and uh, you know have the tag team you had you had the other you had some other podcast tag teams out there you had the uh open wide for some soccer they group. they added additions they, over the weekend they, they were together they uh, you know thomas floyd seth Vertelli, pablo Mauro. they were all together you had the uh um jason davis and jared dubois together as well so all the ta- all the podcast teams we're together except us. So I, I pretty much had to had to fly solo and explain why we're so whack. <laughs> why are you putting this all on me? That's unfair. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was in Portland. I, I'm at least I was there, and I'm seriously actually thinking about coming out for the draft. Oh, you know, you know who was one of the people who asked me where, where if you were where you were. Your your uh, your biological father. No, he did it. Alexi doesn't oh, know who I am. Alexi absolutely listens to the show. He listens to the whole thing. He didn't even, he didn't even talk to me once in Portland. I, I highly doubt oh, he actually down. knows who I am. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know why he didn't talk to you. It might, it might be because he still feels bad for not being around for your childhood. You know? <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of guilt there. There could be some guilt there. I don't know. <laughs> <Where do> you, <laughs> we discussed those possibilities in Kansas City last year, Ivis. So. <laughs> we got to have, have you and Alexi on the Maury Povich show so he can go. Like, see, you are not the father. Oh my god, it's ridiculous. Um, okay, well, it's good. Did you have a good time without me, though? I was concerned. We had a, we had a very good time. Um, yeah, no, it was it's L.A. Man, L.A. is always a good time. The bumpy pitch party was great. The, the party is always did, great. They did it again. They they stepped it up. Great party. And I gotta tell you, man, going into that into MLS Cup weekend, uh, they hadn't put any word out on a on a party. So we actually we we actually thought there wasn't gonna be a party. Um, but there was, and not only was there a party, it was a great party. Uh, everybody was there. It, it was a good time. The whole weekend was good. And, uh, and the game itself didn't quite live up mm-hmm. to expectations. It wasn't, you know, you had two of the best, te- you had the best team in the league and you had the hottest team in the league. And we thought we were going to see this free flowing display of attacking soccer. I thought we were going to see like four plus goals. 
And uh, and no, it, it didn't it didn't quite turn into that. It was actually a pretty sloppy game. And uh, uh, after the afterwards, you know, both sides said it. You know, it, for whatever reason, there were a lot of nerves there. There was just not the high level that these teams you would have expected these teams mm-hmm. to deliver. Having said that, there was still plenty of drama, and you still had the LA Galaxy stepping up when they had to. Yeah, you definitely had moments that that stood out in the game. And and like you said, I mean, when you look at kind of just how sloppy it was. Um, you know, in the very beginning, early stages of the game, you, you just kind of saw that from New England. I mean, Till Bunbury and Jermaine Jones, they were, you know, their communication issues back and forth. Andrew Farrell, I, I felt bad for the guys the game went on. I mean, he had like the worst day you could possibly have ever uh, for a soccer <laughs> player. Like everything went wrong for him. I mean, even the Galaxy, I, was, I think they completed just over 70% of their passes on the day. And then he had Robbie Keane missing a few shots. It just, it, it, the game almost felt like it was destined for penalties, even though you're hoping like, please do not let it go to penalties. I don't know about that. I mean, I thought I, I and it's funny because these two these two teams, this is the third MLS Cup between them, and in the previous two games, it went to extra time, so it was almost inevitable um, that it would happen again. But I gotta say, the way the game started, it looked like LA was really yeah. gonna was really gonna run them over, which is what I really thought coming into the game was gonna happen. I thought I, I had LA uh, when we did did our last show uh, ten years ago. I picked LA <laughs> two to one. Um, and and as the week went on, I really thought it was going to be a bigger margin than that, just because of LA's firepower and New England's inability to defend. But credit to New England. I mean, not not that their inability to defend, but they're such an attacking team, attack minded team that they seem primed for the Galaxy to catch on the counter, to torch over and over. And there were opportunities for LA, but they didn't finish them. They really could have made this. They could have put this game out of reach in the first half. Yeah, they did. They didn't do that. Credit to New England. They stuck. They kept it going. Jermaine Jones was unbelievable in this game. And I think anyone who who still has doubts about Jermaine Jones, if you saw that final and didn't come away impressed with the level of play that he he plays at and what he brings to the field, then you're just blind because the guy the guy is a player. He 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 raises the level of his entire team, and you saw that. And you saw New England battle back, and they took it. <laughs> they took it to a land and they almost pulled it off. They mm-hmm. got they tied it up, Chris Tierney with the great goal, and then you have Teal Bunbury miss the post. You have Patrick Mullins have a an ama- a great shot saved by uh, Jaime Pineda with an outstanding save. So New England came very close to pulling off the upset, but credit to LA, they got it done. Um, you know, speaking of Chris Tierney, and and then you also mentioned him on the on the opposite end, though. I mean, for for as for as good as he's been all season, Rob, Robbie Keane, obviously he had like a you know extremely uncharacteristic game. He missed multiple chances. Yes, he did get the goal when Chris Tierney kept him on, uh, in overtime. But I mean, Robbie Keane, another guy who kind of struggled in this game when you you know guys played at this level before on the international stage. I mean, you wouldn't expect it out of him. There were a couple times when he should have had at least two or three goals in this match. Well, it's not like I've never seen that happen before i mean i can remember last year against real Salt lake in the first leg uh where he missed chances as well so i mean it's not no striker may, may converts all their chances and robbie Keane has had these games before um but what makes him a great player is that he keeps on coming he keeps on looking for those chances and he makes you pay and he and that's what he did you know he he, he came through at the end and that's what and ultimately that's what's going to be remembered no one's going to remember all the chances that he missed in the beginning of the game. So it's not even worth talking about because, you know what, he made the one that counted, and now they have the trophy. Uh, well, speaking of players that, that did stand out, though, um, Jazzy Zardes Ives becomes the uh, first homegrown player ever, you know, homegrown player, to score <laughs> in a uh, MLS Cup final. Uh, you know, for him, Ives, uh, you mentioned it last year. You know, this is a player that everyone needs to watch for. You know, his, his steady climb and, and progression as a player has been, one, fun to watch, and, and two, I mean, he's really taking the next step. 
And, uh, I mean, scoring a goal in the final here, great goal for him. And, and I mean, other than that, I was, and he had an outstanding performance on Sunday. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, you're talking about a player, and, and here's the thing, and I asked Bruce Arena this after the game. Um, it's one thing in the regular season to score goals and have a breakout season. But to do it in a final, to step up in a final when it's really your first final and, and the first time you've been in that kind of experience, you never quite know how a young player is going to respond to that. And Zardis responded wonderfully. I mean, he, he stepped his game up. He showed no fear. When they made the tactical move to move him out wide, match him up with Andrew Farrell, he turned it on. And he showed his quality, showed his maturity, his, his poise, <clears throat> and really provided the perfect cap to what has been a great season for him. And you have to say, this is a kid, and we've been, you know, every, a lot of people have been saying it for months now. He needs to get a national team call up. And I think this game provided that last bit of evidence that if Jurgen Klinsmann had any doubts, and I'm, and I, I'm pretty sure he probably were, have any were doubts. there really any doubts? I mean, he was going to at least get January call up, right? Well, that's the thing. He, sh- I mean, I think he already should have been getting one. But yeah. if there, if there were any doubts, I think Jurgen Klinsmann probably saw those doubts go away when he watched Sardis on Sunday. Yeah, um, you know what is kind of surreal though is that since it was Landon Donovan's uh, last game, it just it just doesn't seem like it. It really is his last game. I don't know. I, I, just, I just expect him to lace up and play next year too. It just it it seems strange to live. It hasn't hasn't set in yet. Uh, no, I I think I, I, honestly I have felt this coming for for a while now. I mean, obviously he announced it way back after the All Star game, but I think when he took that sabbatical, and also even before the sabbatical, talking to him back in 2012. Uh, May of 2012, when he kind of sat down and <clears throat> he really starts to get a sense of, of of someone who was kind of losing that that kind of fire, losing that <clears throat> passion for the game that you have to have to really thrive on that level. You you could see then that the clock was ticking. You could see then that this wasn't a guy who was going to play five more years, four more years. It was a guy who was pretty much at that point, if he at most was going to have maybe two, you know, one and a half half more years left and that's exactly what it ended up being um and you know what we, we've all been lucky to see him play we've all been lucky to see him uh develop as a player develop into the star that he's been uh a really a class act a, a guy who's always uh <clears throat> you know just always just led by example and and, and has, has had so much success and i mean as someone who's watched his career unfold and, and have him go from the teenager to now the this just just mature guy who has such a such a good sense of his own self. Uh, I mean, it's impressive, man. It's impressive to see how much he's matured and how 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 happy he is now to, to go out on his own terms. And I know a lot of people want him to stay. I know Galaxy fans would love for him to stay, but it's time, you know. When, when it's time, it's time. And and the the sense I got from him after that game was that he is at peace now. He is he has done with the, He's done everything there is to do. Now it's time to move on. And Landon Donovan goes out with uh, now six MLS Cups. On the other side of the ball, obviously, you have the New England Revolution. Jermaine Jones was a rock in the game on Sunday. Obviously, a piece, a solid piece for years to come for them to build around. But you saw you know, a couple uncharacteristic mistakes on New England from, from a couple guys. You also saw some other guys step up, and Chris Tierney continues to impress. Patrick Mullins coming off the bench. I mean, what a great performance by him. And for New England, it, it just it just you know for the times when they dominated in the match, Ivis, you just never got the sense though that they would be able to take over the match and, and be able to defeat the Galaxy. Right. It wasn't it wasn't their best game, um, and some of their players that you, you'd like to have seen step up didn't quite step up. I mean, I think Nidalee Win was. There's obviously that play where people are going to say he should have gotten a penalty, 
And there's definitely a good argument for that, that, you know, th- that one play when he got into the penalty area, it looks like he got taken down. There was no call. Um, that could have been his moment. Um, and then you also said Charlie Davies, who I thought L.A. did a good job against. Um, but overall, though, I, I think, you know, nitpicking at the loss, they played a really good team and, and they fell short. But as a group, though, that team is going to be I think that team's going to be back. And even though uh, they've already lost a few players via the expansion draft route. Hmm. Um, so they're not going to be the same exact team they were last year, this year. But there's so much talent on that team when you think about, I mean, Jermaine Jones as your building block. Charlie Davis will be back. Lee Wynn will be back. Um, <clears throat> Jose Gonzalez, Andrew Farrell, Teal Bunbury, Kellen Rowe, mm-hmm. Diego Fagundes, you'd like to think, is going to come back and, and kind of reestablish himself. So they're, they're going to be they're going to be right there. I think when when you talk about 2015, you have to like New England as the team to beat in the Eastern Conference again next year. And for them, you know, it just it, as much as we say, I mean, it was, this whole process was a learning experience for them. I mean, so many young guys, obviously, they've never gotten to the stage before. A lot of these players on this team, and, and you've just seen the progression out of the New England for the last few years under Jay Heaps. And you know, if you just take their trend, you know, you have to assume that the New England's going to keep going up and up and up. I mean, it's it's been great to see kind of where they were three years ago with Jay Heaps to where they are now. Yep. <laughs> uh, um. Well, as soon as the MLS Cup ended, teams were allowed to start making moves. And one of the uh, teams that's made the most moves and made the most noise so far uh, in the MLS offseason is Orlando City. Ivis, uh, they have not stopped since since Monday. Uh, they went out and added Orion Collin. They added Amobio Kugo. And uh, New Orleans being aggressive, man. Great to see. The first day after MLS Cup, a team going out there acquiring players. If you're a fan, you're happy about it. Uh, Orlando, man, taking no prisoners right now, Ivis. Well, they definitely got off to a great start, adding two pieces like that in Aurelian Collin and Amobia Kugo. Now, I know the, the, the Kugo deal might have surprised some people, but that, that deal had been in the works for months now. Um, but the big question was, would Kugo return to MLS? And I think there was still some doubt about that. He was out of contract, and <clears throat> the only way a deal was going to work is if he, if, he, if he was actually willing to stay. Um, I know Europe was an option, but at the end of the day, he decided to stay in MLS, and now he's in Orlando and they've got some pretty nice building blocks there when you think about a Kugo, a Raylan Collin, who's won an MLS Cup, mm. uh, and then obviously Kaká. Uh, and to get to have those guys, plus Tally Hall, who's recovering from an ACL tear, but will be back uh, by the end of next year. I mean, that's some nice pieces to build around even before you get to the expansion draft. So uh, you have to give them a lot of credit. Hats off to Orlando City. They, they are not messing around. And I know most people would have thought coming into this whole process that – NYCFC would be head and shoulders ahead of Orlando City. Um, but at least from the first day standpoint, Orlando City really stole the headlines. No, you're exactly right. And then you flash forward a few days later to the expansion draft, and you look at some of the players that Orlando's able to bring in. I mean, once again, it looks like they're they're head and shoulders over NYCFC. But kind of looking at their picks. What, really? What, what, I don't know about that. Really? You don't think so? Looking at their I roster? I agree with that absolutely 100%. Hmm. I don't know. I, I I like Orlando's the additions that they made, maybe a little more than NYCFC. Did you see the list that NYCFC put together? Yes, I, I, I'm looking at the list close. right now. It's not even close. It's not even close. Mm, I'm not sold on that defense, man. It's they're not picking their whole team. They're picking a group of players, and their players has more upside. Their players their, their players have better quality veterans. It's not even close. New York City FC pans hands down. Had the better expansion draft. Now I know some of the picks were made to make, uh, you know, for trades to get allocation money. But when it comes down to it, NYCFC got Ned Grabovoy and Chris Winger, two quality uh, quality veterans, two players that Jason Christ knows very well, 
two players who yeah, but- fit right in, into what he wants to do. And then you get a player like Patrick Mullins, a young, talented player who we saw at MLS Cup. The kid can play. And the only reason he was even exposed is because New England had so much talent on their roster. They had to expose somebody, and they exposed Patrick Mullins. And then on top of that, to get a couple of players with serious upside and George John and Tommy McNamara who are coming off of injuries. But guess what? If those guys come back healthy, you're talking about two steals that will make this an absolute blowout. Orlando City had some okay. Yeah, and it's not that, That's too Orlando many City question marks. On, on the, that's one question mark, one set of questions. It's two marks. guys. It was their later picks. It was their later picks. What are you talking about? It was picks seven and eight. And they get a guy in George John who, when he was healthy, was one of the best defenders in the league. And Tommy McNamara, who before he tore his ACL, was looking like a rookie of the year contender. I mean, who did who did uh, Orlando get with their later picks? I mean, I like some of their guys. I think Tony Cassio's a guy. I know you love Tony Cassio. I don't love Tony Cassio. You're ridiculous. Uh, Donovan Ricketts is a, is a you know older goalkeeper. He can be good. He'll give you a solid half season before Tally Hall comes back. Um but there's a lot of – I mean, Jaleelani Baba's a guy who's, who with time could be a center back that helps you if they keep him at center back because, again, he played a lot of right back in Chicago. He played right back in Seattle. He's not a right back for me. He's a center back. If they give him a chance to play there, I think he could do okay. But I don't know, man. I, I thought a lot, a lot of the rest of their picks – obviously, a lot of their picks were – you know, they, they, were, they were flipping some of the guys with the picks. But I'm sorry, man. I look at NYCFC. If you want to get some veterans to slide in as starters – Right there, you got two. You got Winger and Grabboy can start from you can start for you in day one. And for me, Patrick Mullins is a guy who has the talent to be a starter. So right away, even without the those those kind of uh, long shot guys, the injury risk guys that you took late picks on, the, even without those coming panning out, I think those those other picks give them the edge. That's just my opinion. Okay, I will. Okay. Let me let me say this. Who do you like? Who do you like from Orlando? Tell me. Hold on. Give me the Orlando hold on, hold on. that you are so in love with. Please. No, hold on, hold on. This is this is where I, I I mix my words. When I look at the rosters, I like Orlando's roster completely. We're not talking everything. roster. We're talking. About I know. The I will agree with you on the expansion that well, New York came out about. with a better expansion in in uh, uh, they had a better draft draft selection in in they had better draft picks in the expansion draft. God, I can't even say that right now. I will agree with you on that. I'm sorry. I jumped ahead with the overall roster. I will agree that New York had a better expansion draft. Well, even with the overall roster, I don't know how you could say Orlando's better because I mean, Frank Lampard and David Villa right away. You're they're two you're two anchors, and then they have a couple of guys that they're, they're Andrew Jacobson's a quality player uh, who's coming who played went over to Sweden played well. He's going to come back. He's he's a good veteran. Josh Saunders in goal. Ryan Mira. They went and picked up Ryan Mira. Uh, so they've got quite a few goalkeepers now to help to figure out who they, who's going to be their starter. Um, it's pretty close, but I, I mean, I'm for me, NYCFC with the two DPS and with the expansion uh, draft picks that they made, uh, I give them the slight edge right now. I give them the slight edge, but I tell you what, it's impressive that it's close now because if you'd asked me a few months ago, I would have said it's not going to be close, but it's close right now. But let's not forget, NYCFC is going to go bring in uh, three or four players. On loan from Manchester City, so 
that right there, that's a nice trump card they're still holding. Uh, see, I, I'm just not convinced on the on New York City's defense. I, I think you're overrating Chris Minger a little bit. I think he took a major overrating. St- well, not maybe overrating him, but dude, he took he took a step back this year. He was getting older, Ivis. He's not the same player he used to be. He's still George Johns coming back for back. an injury. I mean, come on. Well, no one's projecting him to be your starter day one. The guy's a project. No one's no one's penciling him in to start in day one. Who's doing that? Nobody's doing that. The point is, it's December. The season is four months away. They haven't built their teams yet. You can't look at the groups as teams yet. You can't look at them and say, well, this 11 is better than that 11. It's not. You can't look at that. What you can look at is the collection of talent at this point and say, okay, this collection of talent's better. It, has Orlando put together a group that more closely resembles a full team already? Sure, you can argue that. But that's not the point on December 11th to do that because you still have months to go before you go hit the international market and fill out your team. So that you can't look at it as, oh, well, NYCFC's defense. Like, why are we even talking about defense? Like, give me a break. They're going to go get some players. There's no, They still have a lot of time to go get some players. But as of right now, when you want to talk about collections of talent, NYCFC's collection of overall talent is, for my money, better than Orlando's. Okay. We'll 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 table this discussion for three more months. Then we'll we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's we'll talk again after the draft, and then we'll talk again right before the start of the season, and then we can look at how the teams have come together. Okay. I okay. You want, okay? Uh, we'll, <laughs> move on, Ivis. I, I don't want to upset right. you anymore. I just think I'm you know you, you I, only eleven players playing a field at a time. You could have twenty all stars, but only eleven guys get to play. So we'll, we'll table mean? we'll we'll table this discussion. <laughs> I think. Are you on Nyquil right now? I know. You're no, sick. I'm not. I'm not. Not. I think. I think you're on some medication that's got you a little loopy. Take it easy. I'm not uh, tabling this discussion. <laughs> There's been a lot of other moves um, with some other teams, though. Um, Real Salt Lake. They, they did lose, as you said, Ned Grabovoy and Chris Winger, but then they go out and bring back Hamasin Alave. Uh, they needed to bring back a center back, Ivis, because let's face it, Arcel's defense has been a little depleted this this off season. Um, would Would you make of the move uh, bringing back Alave to Arcel? Well, I thought that was a huge move. Well, number one, we have to talk about a, a move that came before that, and that's Nat Borchers. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Trade, Nat Borchers getting traded to Portland. And Portland, as far as teams that have, have been uh, busy uh, in the first days of this offseason, Portland has been very busy. They've completely shaken up their team. They parted ways with Donovan Ricketts. Uh, they parted ways with, with uh, Michael Harrington. Uh, and and they they go and get themselves a, a, a solid center back in that fortress to plug right in there, um, and, and they went and got themselves a new goalkeeper, uh, several other pieces to the puzzle there. They, the, the Caleb Porter was serious about shaking things up, and he's done that. Uh, but back to RSL, you know, you lose that fortress, you lose Chris Winger, you lose Ned Grabovoy, you had to get. A defender, and now they get uh, Hamas and Olave in there, and now you're thinking about an Olave Schuler tandem. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty scary tandem. The only problem with that tandem is you're talking injuries. So you're talking two guys who um, you're not going to expect both those guys to play 30 games, and that's where Carlos Salcido is an interesting question mark there mm-hmm. because is he going to stay? Um, and, and, and in case people missed it, uh, he made some waves with uh, with some social media commentary. Uh, expressing his unhappiness uh, with uh, with Real Salt Lake. Uh, apparently, he felt he was lied to or misled by General Manager Garth Lagerway. He had asked to be let go. He asked RSL not to pick up his option. And I thought that was pretty silly because, I mean, I, I get why you would want to not have your option picked up when you're a Mexican 
uh, youth national team player, and I'm sure there are clubs in Mexico that would pay you a lot of money to go down there now that you have established yourself. But guess what, kid? You have a contract. If it has an option and the team wants to pick up the option, then you're out of luck, my friend. You have to honor the contract. And you can't go on social media and complain the way that he complained. I mean, that's just ridiculous, completely amateurish, immature on his part. Uh, and now if you're Real Salt Lake, what do you do? Do you keep him around? Do you just suck it up and say, listen, kid, just deal with it? Or do you sell him and get rid of the bad apple, get rid of a guy who just <laughs> you know, has already shown he's not, not, the, you know, not the most mature kid? So that's going to be the big question. Does Lagerwey keep him and keep him as a third center back? Or does he sell him and just you know, go in another direction? So that, for me, I think that's going to be one to watch. <laughs> I like the way you're saying kid. <laughs> he's a kid. He's a kid. What is he, 20, 19? He's 20 years old. I, I, uh, I mean, listen, maybe. You know what? If you go on social media and rip your boss because you're not happy, guess what? You're a kid and or an idiot. So that that's what that's basically what happened. So I, I'm sure Goth Lagaway will handle it the right way. And uh, this Olave move just shows you, like, guess, you know, that's a power move because that's Garth Lagerwey saying, you know what, Salcido, we don't even need you yet. We're going to sit your ass on the bench until you grow up and figure out that it's not all about you. You signed a contract. You're on this team. And you just gonna have to deal with it, or they could turn around and sell them, uh, which for me I think wouldn't be a bad move either, because I bet you they they could fetch a pretty good, a pretty penny for them when you're talking about a young and promising center back. Uh, another player that is on the move, CJ Sapong, heading over to the Philadelphia Union. Ivis, uh, he's been on, kind of on a, on a steady decline the last couple of years since he had the nine goals for Sporting Kansas City in 2012. Uh, I mean, look, does a change of scenery help out CJ Sapong big time here? Um, well, look, Sepang, obviously, I think he needed a, a, a change of scenery. Uh, it, the past couple of years, he's fallen out of favor a bit and, and lost his starting job. Uh, a change of scenery will help him. Uh, he'll be a little closer to his, to his home. Uh, he, he's he's one of these DMV products. Obviously, came out of James Madison and played previously for Reading United, the union affiliate. Uh, and, and I seem to recall the union apparently putting in a homegrown uh, player tag on him or trying to. didn't quite work out. Um, it, but it's, it's an interesting pickup because if you're Philly, you need a strong uh, target forward. Uh, it looks like they're parting ways with Connor Casey, and you plug him right in. And I think he's got the qualities. I think he's got the qualities. And on that team, uh, I, I, the Union are in, they're in a bit of state of flux right now, right? I mean, they lose the Mobia Kugo. They're getting rid of Connor Casey. They still have some nice pieces. Andrew Wenger, I thought, really came on last year. Sebastian Latou is still a good player. Um, Vincent Noguero played well. Uh, you have Danny Cruz who gives you a lot of hustle. Uh, so they've got some nice parts there, but I, I, I don't know if CJ Sapong is necessarily the, the, the going to be what puts them over the top and makes them a playoff team. But I think for his sake, I think a change of scenery was needed. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that change of scenery will help him, uh, regain the form that we saw from him in year one and year two. Uh, goalkeeper, uh, Ryan, Mira is on the way to NYCFC, go, coming from New York Red Bulls uh, on a loan in return. New York City FC sent over Sal Zizo uh, to the Red Bulls. Uh, I just, what, what do you make of this move, NYCFC, bringing in Ryan Mira? Well, I know they wanted him. I know they wanted Ryan Mira. Uh, they actually wanted to. They tried to buy him out right from the Red Bulls, but the Red Bulls turned him down. Turned down the offer for him. They made a pretty sizable offer by MLS standards. From my sources, told me they offered him. 300,000 in allocation for Mira. We're talking about a goalkeeper who it's easy to forget how impressive he was his rookie year before he suffered the injuries that set him back. 
Um, he's a really talented goalkeeper. He has a European passport, um, and and he's also he also has multiple years left on his contract. So I think he ticks all the boxes of a, you know the kind of player you're willing to invest in. Um, I, I was a little surprised that NYCFC would still take him on loan, um, unless there's an option to buy uh, in the deal. But you know, as far as I know, I haven't seen, I haven't heard anything about there being an option to buy. But if you're the Red Bulls, you love this deal because you get your you get your goalkeeper of the future uh, an opportunity to get games and and continue to develop, continue to. Uh, boost his value, and you know what? If he has a breakout year for NYCFC, you can either sell him or you can have him be your starter next year. So it's really a win-win for for uh, the Red Bulls. Now, if I'm NY, if I'm an NYCFC fan, I'm going to be a little kind of scratch. I'm going to scratch my head a little bit and ask myself, why are we developing uh, our the 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 goalkeeper of the future for our arch? Like, I don't really understand that. Uh, I, I I could see why they wanted to buy him. I can see that. Um, but I can't understand why they would want to loan him unless unless there is an option to buy. And the Houston Dynamo have hired, appointed new manager Owen Coyle. Everyone probably remembers him from his stints with Bolin and Wigan. Ivis, what do you make of this move going out on the international stage and bringing in a manager who uh, who's going to have to learn a lot with how Major League Soccer works? Well, I would say this. Normally, and I've gone on on record in the past is saying I always have my doubts about foreign coaches coming to MLS uh, that don't have any kind of ties to MLS, that don't have any kind of background with MLS. Um, having said that, this this move feels a little different to me. Uh, I don't know if it's because he's, you know, Owen Coyle's a guy who's who's brought American players over before. He brought Stuart Holden over. He brought Tim Ream over. Um, so there's that kind of familiarity. Um, but at the same time, I think the support system is key. Uh, for Owen Coyle because Houston has kept their entire coaching staff in place, Tom Kinnear's coaching staff, uh, Steve Ralston, uh, and their, their goalkeeper coach as well. Uh, they, they still have that group there. Um, and, and then you have Chris Kennedy, who's the team president, one of the best uh, you know front office guys in the league. So I think from a support system standpoint, it's the best possible scenario for a foreign coach. Um, whenever you have a foreign coach coming in who doesn't uh, – in the past, I feel like you haven't had uh, uh, foreign coaches come in with good support systems because a lot of times you know, maybe they, they, they'd be given a little too much uh, uh, freedom and too much control. In this instance, I'm sure Coyle has, his, his, uh, has a good amount of freedom. But when you have a, an entire coaching staff that, that has experience in MLS, you have a, uh, uh, the, the GM as well, Matt Jordan, who, who has experience in MLS. And then you have Kennedy, who's a great team president. Uh, uh, the, it's all there for Coil to do, do well. It's not like there's going to be any excuses there. So for me, I, th- I think it could do well. I think he, I think he could be that coach who finally has uh, tangible, uh, lasting success in MLS. And, and I have to kind of pre- I have to put those caveats in there because people will always bring up, well, Gary Smith won an MLS Cup and he was from England and blah blah blah. Yes, but Gary Smith, I mean, that was a nightmarishly awful playoff year uh and that colorado team while credit to them for winning a title um they're not really going to be a team that people outside of colorado are going to remember as being this great mls cup champion um so we'll see we'll see if owen Cole can build himself a team that people will remember uh and if so then he can finally be that first international their first foreign coach to really really have success 
And moving over to the international scene, U.S. men's national team announced their first seven games of 2014, and they look awesome. Every single matchup, five out of the seven teams advanced past their group in the former, uh, in the previous World Cup in Brazil. You have Chile on the schedule, Switzerland, Mexico, the Netherlands, and Germany, Ivis, and, and then you still have Panama and Denmark. I mean, those aren't going to be easy games. Uh, Jurgen Klinsmann. Um, put it together a very tough schedule for for the team. I, I think it's going to be great, great experience for a lot of players. And uh, and and Ivis, I mean, all seven of these games are, are going to be awesome to watch. Right, and, and it's funny because I know there's some people who are kind of in panic mode a bit and looking Why? at some of these opponents. No, because it's this quality of opponent uh, and and Germany and the Netherlands, and I think it's still I think there's still a hangover uh, <laughs> from how badly the team played in the months after the World Cup. Uh, and I think it's easy to lose sight of the fact that that team was never really the full strength team. Um, there was always there were always players missing. Uh, there was mm-hmm. a lot of experimenting with new faces. You didn't have the full strength U.S. team really at any point in that sequence. So I don't. I think people were already kind of being defeatist about these games and saying, "Oh my lord, we're going to get smashed by Germany. We're going to get destroyed by the Netherlands." Blah blah blah. Like, settle down. It's the <laughs> freaking summer. It's June. There's a lot of time between now and June for the team to get to sort itself out, for players to sort out their own situations and get healthy yep. and 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 improve their stock and improve their situations. Obviously, this fall things didn't go well for quite a few players. You had Jeff Cameron with his transfer issues where he tried to move. You had Fab- you've had Fabian Johnson just you know really have a really pretty crappy move to Monche uh, Gladbach that hasn't worked out for him. Um, you have John Brooks struggling for a good stretch for playing time. So the fall was really a, a kind of a lost cause in a lot of ways because you had so many things going against you. But yep. again, it's the fall after the World Cup. Who cares? People are way too uh, just the chicken little. Uh, the whole chicken little thing is back. The sky is falling. The, our, our program's a mess. Blah, blah. Like, like, look, let's see what happens now in 2015. Uh, with the group, with the new faces that come in in January, mm-hmm. with where let's see in March where the team is with those friendlies against Switzerland and Denmark. I think that's going to be a good se- a good barometer for kind of how the team is moving along and going along. And I think that I think I think anyone who's looking at that far ahead to the summer already at those Germany Netherlands games is saying, oh, we're going to get destroyed. Like the team is not, you don't know what the team's going to be like in June, so. Um, so, but you want to have these kind of games. You want to of have course. these kind of tests uh, going into a Gold yep. Cup. The Gold Cup, you know, are there Germany's and Netherlands in a Gold Cup? No. But when you play that level of competition, it it it, get, it prepares you for that kind of tournament. Because mm-hmm. um, you know what, Mexico is not going to be easy. Costa Rica is not going to be easy. Let's not forget. Now, Costa Rica got to the quarterfinals of the World Cup, so the Gold Cup is not going to be a cakewalk by any means. So why not have some really tough tests? that force you to get to a new level. So for me, I think it's great. And I, and and as a side note, if you're a U.S. fan, you have to love know, already knowing what all the games are. You can plan ahead. You can get book your reasonably pl- priced flights. You can set your vacation. Because uh, I got to say, I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I go on the road to a lot of these games and I meet so many U.S. fans. And there's so many hardcore U.S. fans, American Outlaw supporters, that no matter where the U.S. plays, they go to these games. And even though it's short notice, they find a way to buy the tickets. They they spend the money. They, they travel all over the world. And I think it's great now that a lot of those same fans are going to now have the luxury 
of being able to plan ahead. Mm -hmm. And maybe because of that, now you're going to see larger groups of supporters traveling to some of these games. Uh, look, you, you become the best by playing the best. You don't become the best by playing minnows and, and pounding them. I mean, this is great that, that you're good in U.S. soccer is being aggressive. They have seven games, right, in 2014 that they announced. Going back to the year after the 2010 World Cup, U.S. had four opponents. Those opponents were Chile, Argentina, Paraguay, and Spain. They didn't win any of those games, but it shows that playing top-tier opponents throughout the years pays off when you go to the World Cup, so you're not just playing these, you know, no offense to Belize or Guadalupe. I mean, playing teams like that, that that's not worth it. That's that's not worth your time. I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to all these. I mean, all these matchups, Ivis. I mean, Panama might be the weakest one, but that's still going to be a tough matchup. It's, it's great to see Jurgen and U.S. soccer being this aggressive. Yes. <laughs> uh, speaking of being aggressive, though, there are reports coming out that the U.S. may play uh, Brazil in September. I mean, adding Brazil to the schedule too, Ivis. I mean, th- th- another great matchup for the U.S. Yeah, why not? Why not play Brazil? You know what? You're going to be the underdog. Chances are you might get beat, but get, so what? You know, you want to play these teams. You want to get in the habit of playing these teams. You want it to be. You want to get. You want it to get to the point that your players don't aren't faced by these kind of matchups that they're used to these kind of matchups and the more of the games more of these kind of games you get uh the better it is i think as just overall experience for the group and again the next world cup is a long ways away folks three and a half years away um so why not now already in this year and next year of 2015 start getting them ready uh and getting them kind of focused on playing that level of competition and, and looking further ahead down down the schedule, this is now looking at, at 2026. Mexico is going to challenge the U.S. and Canadian bid for the 2026 World Cup. I mean, what's going on, Mexico? Don't you realize that that is our World Cup? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one, you know. I mean, obviously, Mexico, they had their, uh, I think, 86 was the, the last, you know, they hosted the 86 World Cup. I'm sure they, they want to bring it back around uh, 40 years later. Um, that is a long time to wait for another World Cup, but it, it, it is interesting that you have the three CONCACAF uh, countries all vying for one World Cup, and I, I have a feeling maybe we'll see a compromise. Maybe we'll see two of those three uh, get together, where, and one of them, will, I mean, the U.S. is going to have to be one of them, right? It's going to be the U.S.-Canada or, or U.S.-Mexico. You're not going to have Mexico-Canada together. Um, <laughs> but, Imagine if you um, did, though. <laughs> I know. That's, that's pretty interesting. No, but um, yeah, look, Mexico, you can't blame them for wanting to host it. Um but I don't know. I, I don't see how anyone could could pick Mexico over the U.S. when you're talking straight up just resources and, and facilities. It's not even close, really. Um, but you know what? A joint U.S.-Mexico bid, I don't think would be a bad thing. And I know no one's talking about that now, but I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. You know, if, I mean, the travel might be a little bit of an issue, you know, get, you know getting in and out of Mexico and, and the U.S. and all that. But I, I think for me, uh, a a joint bid, U.S. Mexico or U.S. Canada. I think it, I think would be the best way to go. I don't know if the federations would ever consider that, but uh, you know, I, I think that'd be a nice compromise. Don't come on, Ivis. Twenty twenty six. You know how far that is away. We're gonna have flying cars and teleporters by then, so travel is uh, not gonna be an issue. I'm not even gonna. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't even want to think about twenty eighteen, let alone twenty twenty six. I mean, I'm. You know, that's I'm 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 not looking any further than the Gold Cup next summer. That's about as far as I want to look at. When 2026 happens, I will be knocking. I'll, I will be 39 years old. I'll be knocking on 40. My son will be 23 years old. My son Oof. will probably be. I'm co-hosting this show by then. 
There you go. With my kid, who will probably be what ten years, five years old at that point. <laughs> you know? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of Mexico, keeping it down there. Uh, young center back Ventura Alvarado. Everyone's probably going, who? Uh, he's a player from Phoenix. Amazing, Ivis. We don't even try to get Arizona references on the show purposely, oh and yet boy. we do have Arizona oh references. Uh, he plays for Club America. Uh, there were reports coming out that he wasn't going to consider U.S. men's national team call up and was going to go towards the Mexican route, but he is still open for U.S. men's national team uh, call up. Uh, Ivis, is this something where Jurgen's going to have to call him in July and start massaging, massaging this young kid a little bit more to get him over to the U.S. side? Uh, I tell you what, he's a talented player. He's he's broken through with Club America. He's been starting for them. Uh, he's starting he's starting for them tonight in the. Uh, uh, he's he's been a star for them lately, and the Club America's in the final again, the Liga MX final against uh, Hercules Gomez, uh, Jose Torres, and and, and Tigres. Um, but you know what? Any any young talent you can get like that who's playing on a good team like Club America, how could you not? make an attempt to try to call him in. So I'm pretty sure Jurgen Klinsmann is going to put the press on, put the Klinsmann press on Ventura Alvarado. And I think it is interesting that, that Alvarado made a point to let it be known that he's open to it. So all you need, all Klinsmann need, all Klinsmann needs is an opening. And now that it's there, I think if you're him, if you're Klinsmann, you got to go, you got to go recruit this kid and bring him into a camp. Cause he's, I mean, when you, if you start, if you're starting for club America, one of the top teams in North America. Why Why not? Why not call this kid in? So I think hopefully we'll see him called in. I mean, I don't think we'll see him in January just because of the, the Mexican League you know, schedule doesn't really permit it. But you know what? As soon as he can call him in, I think he's got to call him in. Uh, some bad news on the U.S. men's national team front. When, when you're kind of hoping that 2014 was going to be a huge year for this player, Terrence Boyd uh, suffered a torn ACL, I, I, it's been devastating to hear this news. Like I said, I mean, this is this is a guy that you're kind of hoping that was going to break through within the next year, you know, play a big role in 2018. And it's just, you know, it's it's, it's sad to see, uh, you know, his, his future with the U.S. men's national team in 2015 in doubt. Well, it's done now, right? I mean, he's going to be out until, until the fall at this point. And it's just devastating because here's a guy who had already had the beginning of his his season, uh, you know, wiped away by a pre another knee injury, right? So I mean, he had missed the first however two three months of the season. He finally works his way back. He started getting into the playing, uh, getting playing again, and, and he looked like a guy that you could once again start talking about the national team uh, and start penciling him in as a Gold Cup option. And it's devastating to see him injured again. Um, obviously, he's you know he's a, he's a class act. He's a funny guy. We've obviously had him on the show multiple times. Uh, and we wish him the best. You know, we wish him a, mm. a, a, a speedy recovery and a and a full recovery. And he's and but and you know what? I'll tell you what. He's a guy who I think has the right mentality. He's not going to let this get him down. He's going to fight through this, and he'll be back. And and you know what? Let, let, come the fall, it will not surprise me if he gets back to his goal scoring ways once he comes back. Dropping down the, to the lower leagues of American soccer, New York Cosmos announced this week the addition of Raúl. The Spanish international, uh, Ivis. Uh, I mean, great to see the Cosmos and NASL bringing in a player of of this of of his status. Right. I mean, we're talking about a legend. I mean, Real Madrid legend, uh, a guy who up until a month ago had uh, held the record for most Champions League goals, and now obviously Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel uh, Lionel Messi have both broken the record. Um, they both passed him on the list, but I mean. Uh, it's interesting that he's coming here. I, I had a chance to sit down with him and, and had a one-on-one interview with him. And it, it, I mean, a real home. I mean, considering the guy's a legend, he's a very humble guy, 
really very laid back laid back guy and he's here not just you know some people who don't understand why he's here they think oh he's here for a payday or it's a publicity stunt all right two things number one he still wants to play he still <coughs> still loves to play he still feels like he can play but more importantly he's on a mission now to work with young players he wants he likes coaching on the youth level it's a passion of his it's something that led him to go from Schalke in the Bundesliga uh, to Qatar where you know he wanted to still play but he wanted to work closely with play, with children and even though it meant playing at, 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 a, at a lower level lower caliber of soccer than we've than we're used to seeing him play at it was still a great opportunity for him to work with children now he comes here and now he's going to play and he's going to uh, oversee the red uh, the, the the Cosmos Youth Academy and when he retires he will take over as the director of the Cosmos Youth Academy. We're talking about a guy who is not in it just for a one year, you know, you know, one year quick cameo. He's going to be here for a few years, 3-4 years. And I got to say as exciting as it is for some people the fact that he's going to be playing here in America, I think the fact that he's committing 3 to 4 years if not more to developing young American talent, I mean, that has got to excite everybody because we're talking about a legend. We're talking about a guy who's one of the one of the best uh, players, one of the best forwards in the modern era, uh, and he's going to be working closely with uh, Amer- with young players, young youth, you know, j- kids, children in the New York area, and I think that's amazing. And you got to give the guy credit because it, you don't hear in in any sport uh, many cases of superstar players. Who want to devote, like devote their time, that much of their time to working with young players, and that's what he wants to do. And down in South America, Argentinian side River Plate defeated Colombian side Nacional in the Copa Sudamericana, uh, their first title in 17 years. Ivis. Well, I got to tell you, this is a game, the the Copa Sudamericana final, uh, a game that felt like it was really overlooked uh, over here in America. Uh, and that's not a surprise. You know, I, I feel like most Americans follow European soccer more. Usually people who have ties to South America are the ones that are, are bothering to follow South America. And I got to say, if you're not following South American soccer, you really should try to. You really should. At least the competitions, whether it's Copa Libertadores or Copa Sudamericana, when you get into the latter stages of these tournaments, I mean, you're talking about intense matches, intense atmospheres, quarterfinals, semifinals. Finals. I mean, you want to watch. If you, I mean, if you're a soccer fan and you want to watch high level soccer, this is the, what you need to be watching. I mean, the, these are some of the. You know, you're talking top, top clubs in South America, clubs that produce a lot of the star players that go over to Europe and play for the big clubs in Europe. Uh, and I got this River Nacional final uh, really kind of lived up to that. Uh, and what stood out for me was, was all the ties to American soccer that could be found in this game. Uh, on one side, you had Atletico Nacional, whose head coach is Juan Carlos Osorio, the former Red Bulls and Chicago Fire head coach. Uh, and you also had Juan Pablo Angel in his final game as a professional, uh, the former New York Red Bulls legend. He he actually didn't play in the game, but it was it was technically his last game. And it just worked out that it came in the final of this tournament against the team that he played for uh, starting his career, where he really kind of made his name at, at River Plate. So that worked out perfectly there. And then on the other side, you had River Plate, a team that was relegated just three years ago. They hit rock bottom. There was, you know, there was real uh, panic about what would happen with them as a club. And here they are three and a half years later. They win a continental title uh, and their manager, Marcelo Gallardo. And if you're an MLS fan and you're kind of thinking, why does that name sound familiar? 
He's the he's the former designated player for DC United, who he didn't quite pan out as a player uh, for DC, but he was in MLS before. Now he's a coach, pretty young coach. He led his team to a title, uh, and a team that had a starting center back, uh, Funes Mori, who was once an FC Dallas youth player. So there were all these ties uh, to MLS to American soccer uh, in this final, and I thought that was pretty fascinating and and overall an amazing game. The atmosphere, the stadium. I mean, just watching it on TV, you could even feel it. You could feel the passion. And I would highly recommend if you're an American soccer fan and you now have, you know, Premier League, uh, you have a little Serie, uh, you have a little La Liga on your on your plate, uh, and along with MLS, find some room for South American soccer because it's pretty impressive. And looking at the American college game, did you know that the national championship is on Sunday? Before that, you have the Final Four, which takes place on Friday in Cary, North Carolina. On one side, you have UCLA taking on Providence. And on the other side, you have Virginia taking on UMBC, who have turned a lot of heads as they're the first unseeded team, I think since 2007, to make the Final Four. They also haven't given up a goal in like 400 minutes. UMBC is like on an unbelievable run right now. Uh, it's crazy to think that the college game has come down to the Final Four on Friday and the championship game on Sunday. Well, I mean, I, I think I feel like we've said this earlier in the year, but uh, it, and parody is alive and well in the college game, and uh, you really have a more of a balance of of talent around the country, and now you're seeing that in the results of these games, where you have a Final Four, where you have some surprising teams. I mean, obviously everyone knows UCLA, everyone knows Virginia, but now to have Providence and UMBC get into the Final Four, it just shows you just how things have changed in the college game. Um, and look, UCLA is the favorite. They were my pick to start the season. They were my pick to win the whole thing. Uh, and they're going to be the favorite in this in this competition, uh, in this Final Four. They have the talent. Leo Stoltz is outstanding. Uh, their defense, Michael Amick, Aaron Simmons, Earl Edwards in goal. Uh, they, have, they have probably, I'd say, at least a half dozen, maybe more future pros in their lineup. Um, they're going to be the favorite. But you know what? You have to give everyone a chance in this game, in this Final Four. Virginia, I think, is also obviously they're a good bet. But look, UMBC, even though no, you have people haven't really heard much about UMBC, they've got some talent as well. They got a center back, Umar Ballo, who is a, a, a top-notch prospect. So uh, these games are going to be on, on – I think they're going to be on ESPN3. If you can find a way to watch them, I would suggest watching them because there is a decent amount of professional – uh, prospects that are going to be playing in these games. They're actually also on um, ESPNU, the university channel for ESPN. Ah, uh, uh, so that's th- right. There you yeah. go. And, and also, I mean, UMBC too has been has been a pretty good men's soccer program over the past few years. I mean, you know, they're just overshadowed by Maryland, but but they've always been a good soccer program. They've done a good job. Pete Karinji, the head coach, you got to give him credit. The guy does a good job there, and it's funny. His son was there last year, and he was like a goal-scoring machine. They lost him, and, and at the time, it's like, oh, well, they lost their goal score. They're not going to do anything. And now they've turned around this year and gotten all the way to the Final Four. Uh, got to give them a lot of credit. Obviously, they knocked off Maryland along the way. Uh, so they're riding high right now. So maybe maybe we will get the full-blown Cinderella story where tiny UNBC wins the whole thing. I don't know if that's – I don't think that's going to happen, but it'd be great if it did. I'm still going to stick with UCLA. They were my pick before the season. They were my pick before the tournament, and they're still my pick. Uh, well, if you want to watch the games, uh, the first game on Friday kicks off Virginia, UMBC at 5, and then the other game after that, Providence, 
uh, UCLA, that's at 7.30. Both these times are Eastern, so if you're on the West Coast, do the math yourself. The National Championship game kicks off Sunday at noon. That is also Eastern. Uh, obviously, the MLS season is only like 86 days away. In between there, there's there's a lot of things that Major League Soccer needs to do. One of those things is the draft that's going to be coming up. And before the draft, you're going to have the MLS Combine. Major League Soccer revealed their list of 55 players uh, that they're inviting t- to the Combine that they're going to be having. Uh, when the list came out, Ivis, did anything jump out to you? What were your impressions on, on the players that are going to be called up to this? Well, I think the senior list is always a little – I mean, there's never really anything shocking. I mean, I think what everyone's going to want to see is who are the um, the Generation Adidas signings going to be, who are the top underclassmen going to be that MLS is able to get under contract. Uh, from the senior standpoint, I mean, I, I think the fact that Dan Metzger is on the list, uh, the Maryland, Maryland defender is going to surprise some people, but uh, he – he because he, he was in the Red Bulls Academy uh, early on in his in his career and – um, he is now going to go into the draft, and I think he's going to be a, a you know, first-round value. Um, uh, one player who wasn't in, in the combine, who I think should absolutely be in the combine, is Jordan Morrell, the uh, left back from Syracuse. I mean, I think this is a guy who uh, – and MLS has done it in the past, where when it comes to fullbacks – they always leave out really good ones, and they never bring enough fullbacks to these to these games. And in the end, you get to the combine, and you've got midfielders playing fullback, you got forwards playing fullback, center backs playing fullback. Like if there's a good if there's good fullbacks in the college game, bring them to the damn combine. I mean, the MLS needs good fullbacks. Why are you leaving out quality prospects? It happened last year with Chris Duval. They didn't actually invite him in the initial list for the combine a year ago, uh, and I and I remember I I had him on my list of of, of combine snubs. Eventually, they I believe they brought him in like very late in the game. He was, uh, but then, and then prior to that, Ray Gaddis, another player who coming in coming into the combine, I said this is a guy. He's one of the he's a top twenty five player. Here's a and then he didn't even get an invite to the combine. It was unbelievable. So for whatever reason, MLS continues to miss the boat on quality fullbacks. Well, we're looking at, at at the draft, which is now just a little over a month away. Uh, I mean, who, do you have a short list, Ivis, for who the top players are going to be, or who the players are going to be that are going to be signing Generation Adidas contracts? Well, that's the big question mark right now. We don't know who's going to be signing Generation Adidas uh, uh, contracts. I mean, UConn's forward Kyle Aaron is a player who had long been considered a target, but you know he he's going to Europe on trials, so he's not a guarantee. You got someone like Jay Chapman, the Michigan State midfielder, who apparently now there's a possibility that he could be a, a homegrown uh, player for Toronto FC, and he may choose to pass MLS up altogether rather than sign with Toronto. So that's someone that that I would have had plugged in as well. Um, uh, and beyond that, you know, it gets pretty slim pickings. I mean, you have Christian Roldan uh, at the University of Washington, Omar Hol- Omar Holness. From North Carolina is another one. You have Syracuse goals keep, goalkeeper Alex Bono, who's also been in the conversation. Uh, UCLA uh, uh, center back Michael Amick is a player who I re- who I really rate, but who I hear MLS isn't as high on and may not may not call in because he's not exactly he's not like your prototypical big center back. So I think from that standpoint, MLS might not be in a hurry to sign him. Uh, the big for me, if there's like a number one that MLS really needs to go try and sign. It's Joshua Yarrow, the Georgetown defender, Georgetown center back. Uh, it had long been believed that he would not be coming out of college yet, that he's, he's looking to stick in Georgetown. But my sources tell me there's a good chance that he actually could come out. Now, if he comes out, he could absolutely be a number one pick, especially if Kyle Aaron isn't signed. If, if Joshua Yarrow's there, Kyle Aaron's not, 
the number one pick absolutely could be Josh Riaro. So he is someone that I think MLS has to put the whole, the, the full court press on and uh, and see if they could sign him. Now, in other uh, prospect news, and I, we, we could have touched on this earlier, but I'll bring it up now. Um, Zach Steffen, the standout Maryland goalkeeper, is signing with Bundesliga side Freiburg. Uh, they're signing. Uh, here's a player. We're talking about a guy who, you know, most people that I talk to, uh, you know, high-level people consider him the best goalkeeping prospect since Tim Howard. I mean, that's that's high praise right there. This guy, anyone who watched Maryland this year saw the the athleticism, the quickness, the size. He has it all. He's got all the tools. And I said it for the longest time now. He's not going to come to MLS. He's going to go to straight to Europe. And now he's on his way. It looks like he's going to sign with Freiburg. I think that's a big step. And it is a big loss for MLS because you'd like to have seen him come to MLS and develop in MLS. But you know what? I think he's a player with the talent that who knows maybe he could be on the fast track to success. And with that, it wraps up today's SBI show. Uh, Ivis, we, we got to. Can we promise the people that we won't go another week and a half without a show? No. Yes, I pro- We will have a show on Sunday unless Gareth gets sick again. He, <laughs> I think we have to start putting him in a bubble so he doesn't getting sick. He's I get sick maybe it's, one it's, or two times a year. It, it, it feels like more. I don't what know. are you talking about? Like your your immune system is down. You it is bad. I have a bad immune system. Stop drinking Red Bull all the damn time. Or, I don't. I've cut. I've cut back on Listen, that. Listen, you drink of you drink a can of something before every show. How about less cans of stuff? I don't. Bottles of water. I I gave up soda. I don't drink soda anymore, and and I've cut down on my Red Bull habit. All I hear is you. Well, you stop drinking beer. Whatever you're drinking. No, I don't drink beer. Shows. <laughs> what you're popping cans every show? I think it's just random Plus, noise. It's cans. It's cans popping. I know. I know what pop, I know what cans popping sound like. That's what you got going on over there. You need more water. You need more fruit. You need more vitamins. You need something because you get sick all the damn time. Hey, you know it's but funny. We will be <laughs> three days. Three days ago, I was I was thinking to myself. I was like, you know, my girlfriend's no longer a teacher. And then since I'm not at the academy, I'm like, this might be the first year in a few years where I'm not around kids, you know? And I feel like that's how you get sick. It's mostly kids at school and blah, blah, blah. And then I get sick, like, the next day as soon as I thought that. <sighs> yeah, you should, have built, you should have built up an immunity, but apparently not. Um, <sighs> I just have, we, bad, look, I have we, bad immune look, system. <laughs> we, look, we will have a show again, uh, hopefully Sunday for Monday. Um, and, uh, we, look, I'll apologize for the both of us. I know this wasn't the best show, but at least we got back. I know there were some people that were complaining where we've been, some people who were having withdrawal. I'm sure some people who've given up on us now because a week and a half is way too long. Um, but we will do one more show Sunday, uh, that we will drop on Monday and then we're going to probably take a break, uh, for the rest of the month to, <laughs> you know, recharge, uh, we got no because so the way you said that, if if someone's show ended right there, where it's like we're gonna take a break, like their computer died or phone died, imagine if they were like, wait, what? <laughs> right. No, no, no. We're just gonna we're just gonna take a little hiatus till the new year. Yes. Um. So so we can hopefully uh, get get everything in order and then start the year off right in January uh, and get things rolling again. Uh, I know we kind of sputtered to the end in October, November, December. We, you know, it's been really tough with our schedules and everything to, to get get the shows on a consistent basis. But uh, we're going to close out the year strong. We're going to have one more show. We're going to try to make it a really good show. And and then we're going to be back in January. So so keep an eye out for that. Stay tuned for that. Uh, and hopefully we can bring you one last really good show after this pretty crappy show. Really? I thought I was pretty good. I thought I was good on this show. I thought you were pretty crappy. Uh, you sound like you're dying. I don't sound that bad. You sound like you're dying. No, I don't. You sound like you just got warped. Yeah, you just you don't sound good at all. No. 
I know, because usually my, my, my pipes are the reason why I get into anything, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the dulcet tones of Garrett Cleverly. Yeah. Um, you know, we also didn't get to 100 shows this year, too. We could do another 20 shows before yeah. now and the end of the new year. We, yeah, we, we struggled. We struggled. So, well, no, actually, <laughs> well, you know what it was? Like, we, we wanted to try to hit, get to the 100 shows by the draft because that's. Oh, was it the draft? I feel like that. Well, the draft is when we started. We, we started the draft. Oh, in January. That's well. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so theoretically, if we want to do 19 shows between now and then, we can still we can still pull it off. Oh my god! I don't think it's happening. No. I don't think it's happening. I think you know what? We're gonna have to look at the calendar and figure out what will work out for a hundred show, and then we're gonna do that. A two our two hundred show. That'll probably be in like February or early March. I'm guessing. Mm, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll maybe if we could make it that the first game, the the first show, uh, before the start of the new season. We could do that. That'd be good. We could do that. Or if it falls near my birthday, we could just take like a birthday trip for me to Vegas and record there or something. Eh, possible. Mm, possible. Think, think about that, Ivis. That could be a good That's, possibility. We're going to have to table that one. Uh, I feel like we tabled a few things on the show, which we probably won't remember. Yes. So. <laughs> right. All right, man. I'm going to let you go. You have a uh, good weekend, man, and I'll, and I'll talk to you on Sunday. You too, man, and uh, stop drinking all that cool. <laughs> I won't. Uh, and as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show, views, comments, and everything you do to support hey. Ivis and myself. Yes, Ivis? Yes. Uh, I, we we have to point it out, it, it, uh, even though we probably don't deserve reviews since we haven't had shows lately, but <laughs> if you can find it in your heart to give us some reviews, we got another one of these drive-by crappy <laughs> one-star reviews from somebody that – who like apparently Garrett stole his girlfriend a couple years back. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know we, you know I don't know we, we we pissed in this guy's Cheerios. He decided to crap on us on the review. So if, for our own for our own egos, if you could find it in your heart to give us a, a decent review that's not one star, we'd we'd appreciate it. I, it was probably one of the funnier one star ones that I've read. <laughs> yeah, he, he put a lot of thought. I feel like I feel like that same review existed prior to that i feel like he i feel like he did de- i feel like he wrote it before and then he deleted it and wrote it again so he could be back on the top of the review pile that's what i think happened. yeah it's just it's uh <laughs> I, I i try to be nice on social media that's just the way i am it's just it's funny how some people are it it, it comes with the territory and you know what we're, we're not above criticism we want look we will take her- <laughs> We'll take constructive criticism all day. Like it help, it'll help us get better. We know we're not perfect. We know we can do better. So if you have if you have suggestions, by all means, we love to hear it. But uh, if you're just gonna troll us, then we're probably gonna come find you and beat you up. <laughs> well, you can. I don't think I. I just watch. I pro- yeah, probably hurt. Yeah. I'd probably hurt myself if I participated in that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I tell you, we gotta put you in a bubble because you're, you're like so fragile now. I know. I am. Uh it's not good. All right, Evans. I'm going to take some more NyQuil and go to bed. So uh, I'm going to let you go. You have a good weekend. You too, man. And before Ivis interrupted me, I'll say it again. Thank you for listening to the show, reviews, comments, and all that. That is Ivis Garcev. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is The SBI Show.